Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. What's one thing you love about procurement? Because you did mention that your your route into procurement is a little bit unconventional. And what I find is that I speak to a lot of procurement people, a lot of people just fall into procurement and don't always really like it. They're not really passionate about it. Whereas just the brief conversations we've had, you are. What's something you love? So how did actually I ended up in procurement? So it started with my dad, actually. He's now like over than 25 years in procurement different areas in some play chain. Another kid, I was growing up with an impression that, like, because he was all the time traveling. In that time, like around 20 years ago, when you had dinners with suppliers or customers, they happened at home. So I had an opportunity, like, to meet people from different cultures. So I had a very high exposure to that kind of things, which already set up a little bit different mindset for me. And I saw it like, oh, procurement is so exciting. There's so many traveling adventures and you can even incorporate your passion because my dad is a certified pilot and within a company that he still actually works in, <laughs> he, he flies to private jet that the boss has. So you can imagine the bubble I was growing <laughs> next to. And, and then I actually started working in procurement. Well, well, not maybe specifically in procurement. My first job roles were like semi-administrative procurement roles. And you can imagine like my bubble really vanished because it was nothing at all like that. Like someone I had, I was thinking that, okay, what went wrong? Like why is that working that way? But I started instead like, okay, I could go and complain, but I said, I've been raised in a little bit different mindset. So I started thinking, okay, my dad had that kind of a job. It's rare. Maybe it doesn't happen to everybody, but it is still there. So I just need to figure out how to go, what I need to do to be on that path. And I then started thinking, Kuman is by metrics because this is what at that time was. Okay, I want a role that will allow me to be met driven so I can understand my performance. So I started going deeper into human, not by accident, because I don't know, I was transferred to this role. And when I start going into procurement, I saw that actually you meet a lot of people. You actually connect with them. You can exchange the passion. It's not solely about just talking transactions. And I like this connection uh, part. And those first roles, allowed me like to figure it out that the unique thing in my dad's work that I admired the most is the relationship part. This is how actually he ended up where he ended up because he built this connection with his boss. They had a common passion for airplanes and the whole air industry. And this is what brought him to the place he is. So early in that stage, I've already like learned. So that's my goal. That's my vision. I need to go. And this is how I started like building my career with. And I was always in the services area. So I would always serve in the business. Not I, like I was driving actually and bringing sale the business. And 
don't really like it because I know that in procurement, often they're in like complaining, oh, sales can do that. They can do that. They drive that. And we are like seeing, but we need to shift even our own, I think, thinking you still drive. You're the one like serving them so they can do this business. And that's your like unique value. And I think um, return. But these are first that I have now. Then I had a little bit different and I have ups and downs. And but still, I had like one like really focus, like being relationship focused, being people focused. So this is what brought me to the place I am here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a cool way to look at it. And do you have any tips for how do you actually focus on those relationships? Because I feel like this is one of those ideas, right, that a lot of procurement, they kind of know that they need to build relationships, whether it's with their suppliers, the the salespeople on the other side, or internally, probably where it matters even more. is like, how do I build relationships with the tech team, with the engineers, with the manufacturing side are going to use our services? Maybe what's a lesson that you learned from how your dad approached it that maybe you've kind of brought into your everyday work now? So I think like the most important thing, like the tip, like let's say it, how to say it like different thing. It's, it's maybe not a tip. It's a basic psychology thing. You really to actually like outperform things you need to work more on yourself. And what I mean, like, you need to really kind of resign from your ego. Ego, it's the worst thing that actually makes building relationship difficult. Because if you have, like, a very big ego, you don't listen. You actually don't listen to what people say. You're only forcing your own ideas and you think, you know, that these are the best ideas. So, like, very basic, I think, psychology things on just talking with people. and also. Ego is being like, you feed it with, like, if you achieve, like, a really great savings, let's say, you feed your ego. Oh, I'm such a cool negotiator. And then you forget about all the learnings that maybe you had along that side, because to get that, you really did a lot of things. For example, maybe you squeezed the supplier. That's also a learning for you, because then you should think, okay, why did I act that way? Did I really have to act that way? Like, what were by what I was driven because for example we all know we had that pandemic thing we all know what happens when we squeeze our partners right let's say we don't get back what we thought we're going to get why because we kind of pushed them to their own limits we didn't treat them in a partner way so you have that one biggest tips in terms of relationships we just need to get rid of our ego forget about it to be honest it is really hard because we like to be appreciated and i think there's actually one more thing that i think it's important not only in but generally and this is how we can also help you out on the path to this building relationship then is being a person that says i will figure it out and then you're getting things done because this is what business i think likes the most at the end of the day that things were done even if it's that perfect outcome but you didn't finish done, you've made the process, you did whatever was needed and you delivered, especially if it was delivered together. So I think these are like two pins I see. And the getting things done part is actually from my dad. <laughs> he always was saying like, you can be angry on things like what they say. You might not agree with what they said, but you advised, you did the most you could. And then you just get those things done with some advices, but you did it. And this is what will make you notice even in that service area and will actually foster the relationship further. 
This is really good advice, right? Because that ego piece can mean that you start becoming a blocker and things don't happen, right? Whatever it is that your business needs, you're advising to do something else, you're not listening to their approach, and you're never going to foster a collaborative relationship if you're always going against the people that you should be helping. And I'm going to take like a slightly a left turn here. We're going to connect all of this as we go through, but I want to move on to the procurement compliance piece. And I just wanted to ask you, what does procurement compliance mean to you? So if I would like to start from like, you know, really human background, I would say either like doing the right things according to policy, like to secure your organization. But my turn and that is that compliance, it's about like doing the best I could at the moment I when that was happening, the knowledge I had, and it was still fine, even though, I don't know, it wasn't purely correctly or accurate toward the policy. So like breaking down that a little bit deeper, for example, let's take a case you are queuing a thing, let's say, of course, out of policy thing, but still like you try to mitigate the major risk or pitfalls that you had, you communicated about it and for the future, you put some things to how to mitigate that. It's still for me a compliance. So what I mean that I think and I believe actually we should be within compliance more incentivizing behavior than actual performance. And this is the thing because we are not able to be always like 100% accurate. Didn't happen, I think, even in win world that, you know, we are always 100% <laughs> accurate in things. And the same should apply here. It's just a matter how, what was the behavior along the way. So, and this is what should be incentivizing, especially across our internal like stakeholders of procurement, especially with those one that are just like learning how to do things properly. Because along my like journey here, destroying at people policies and going with all those like stick and carrot things, it really doesn't work. I I had some experiences like incorporating startups into um, policies to like those bigger corporations. And one thing that they're challenging is not they are reluctant to working toward those old formal things. It's just that they were never explained how to do it when just left out. You should, when that's such cases, besides like throwing the policy next time when there was a pitfall, just like ask. Why it was done that way? What did you miss in, along the way? Like, why didn't you get any support on that? And then just see what's still further on behavior. If you put the effort to those people to explain it and just like, you know, check on the behavior, whether it's getting more and more compliant. Yeah. And for people to actually take note of what you're saying to them, the explanations that you're given around why things maybe need to happen in a certain way, perhaps why you need to procure a certain category in a certain way. Does that all come back to that point that you've kind of covered at the start here, which is you need to really build these relationships. And I guess like a, a question to this is you might talk to these people in the business every day. You might be very early on in terms of building the relationships, but how do you convert that relationship you have with them to actually get them to do the things you need them to do? So how do you get them to, I guess, comply with these policies, these processes in a way that, to come back to your point, isn't the carrot or stick method. You're not kind of penalizing people. You're not using scare tactics. You're actually just encouraging them. So I just basically talk. So I know like 
we are in a society where like we have all the time meeting, but especially in the first place, if I see like I get a case that it's really beyond the line that's done, you have always two ways. So this is, it's just getting to how you respond to things. You're not able to uh, like be responsible. Okay, it happened, but you're responsible. How are you going to respond to it? So of course, being busy, you can send an email and just say it should be done. Or you can just, let's just meet, talk and see how we can work on this case. It was not purely compliant. It should be done that way, but just let's talk and meet, see what were the obstacles. So especially when you're just establishing. I think now we are also in that remote environment. So I think that's even more important to have that personal touch. And I just, especially in the first encounter, I just go meet with people, talk to them, ask about their role, their responsibilities, why did So I just like say, I'm on the sourcing <laughs> side. So I gather information to understand like what do you find what do you see what was the most challenge thing to comply to the process so if i get those answers like the person is being heard so i actually listen i actively listen and i think that in a lot of cases brings them on because they know okay she didn't troll me like all the policies send do that do that we're gonna correct that because you can also always do that you want to be empathetic and help but then you're doing that for an email, which I think will not work because people get millions of emails and it's just different when you just, okay, let's just speak shortly, talk through it. And then, you know, you can go your regular and say email communication. So I think that's, at least this is something I find that really works. So, and then the other thing is that you actually deliver and do what you promise. So you don't, broke your promises and that's a thing that a lot of people struggle especially in like is in this corporate thing we are worthless so we make promises but we don't stick to things and at some point of time it's lowering your authority thing so um, I think these are the two most important things you should have in mind when trying to onboard people on your side it's not saying you ruined my KPIs or a little bit different. Yeah, I really like the advice so far because you've kind of said, drop the ego, get stuff done, actively listen. And I like your specificity there around actively listening, not just listening, which a lot of people do, right? They say they listen, but really all they're doing is lining up the next sentence that they're, so they're self-consumed, right? They're just internalizing the conversation. They're thinking about what they need to say next rather than really understanding the person and that's kind of what you've said like meet people ditch the email ditch the the slack message meet them and truly actively listen to them because what you'll start to figure out probably then is why they've kind of done something in a certain way and you're almost you're almost acting like an investigator in some ways that's kind of how i wasn't imagining you when you were kind of talking through like your processes like you're asking a series of questions about them their role you know what what they do kind of explain a bit about what you do and throughout that conversation you're going to uncover probably certain points certain issues that they have 
operating within, say, the procurement life cycle. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's like the output that you get out of those like questions. It's not like just information for you that you meet the people and establish the contact. It's more like if you will need something in the future, it also then serves you. So I think it's really important to also look for that perspective because, hey, you know that this is the person that will actually might help me out in the future, like with driving certain things, because I know what that person does. And this is where I can now finally like ask for some things for myself. At the end of the day, I think it's like you need to give out more than take. It's difficult because I think we have a very individualistic environment now. So like, you know, my goals, my area, my roof and that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that's a great point. I think procurement teams especially can get into that very siloed trap, right, of having their own goals, their own aspirations, their own KPIs, SLAs that they are tracked and monitored against. But that can sometimes be at odds with what your colleagues are trying to achieve, right? So uh, that's a really good point there. You mentioned, as you were talking about, you know, meeting people and communicating and talking with them that with the remote way of working i think most organizations have some form of remote working typically hybrid now do you see that as a challenge to building good relationships or do you think it's still possible to build a relationship in enough of a way that lets you navigate these problems or gets people on your side via say a zoom call as opposed to meeting them and having a coffee with them in your office I think definitely it is one of the major things when you go to the office, like you said, you're sitting at a coffee, you actually get all those things behind the doors. So all those little things that are like happening there that can help you to connect the dots and then in some projects just realize you need to ask about. So you get, let's say, at the first sight, the info. So these are the things that in a remote environment we miss. And I think that's the biggest challenge because you're not able to be like on chat with multiple people and find the same vibes. You just get that. So that's the biggest challenge. Earlier, you had that. And with remote global environment, it also goes the same like with your supplier's partners. Let's say the external world, you have also contact with. You're also focusing now. You can meet people across the globe, but you don't travel and you, you only do the talking during the calls and I think you also like miss a lot of opportunities to to go behind the fence because it also on like those kind of remote calls you only get as much as you are also willing to share and what I mean by that for example like I always go on a call despite like what I look like if I'm like really cool or I have a bad hair day I always turn on my camera because I want to show, yeah, I show the person that I'm here. I'm actually talking with the person. And for example, I don't know, I'm not doing anything else during the calls. I'm not on Slack or making another email whilst talking to you, which is like my biggest pet peeve on video calls. Yeah. Sometimes, to be honest, I think in that kind of situations, I think it's okay to be a bit arrogant, meaning like when we have those group calls and not all people are showing up. I understand it's purely someone's decision and like I accept that and tolerate that that someone doesn't show off, fine. But then I'm sometimes a bit arrogant saying like it's really good to, you know, put a face to the voice, you know, to 
So I, you, I can actually show off yourself. I don't really care how you look. I just want to see it and you're hearing it. Yeah, and cards. So I'm a bit arrogant sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but I think so. If I give that request and sees, I can say that now in majority of my calls that I had, most people show off their faces. I'm always like that. So, but it is a challenge. You don't get all those behind bias that can put you ahead on certain things and put you ahead in, I don't know, keeping that compliance can put you in an early involvement part of your procurement process, right? So it's, this is definitely a challenge in a remote environment. Yeah, that's some really good insights there. I'm actually just going to ask you a few like quick fire questions here to close out because that was, by the way, that was just like an incredible breakdown full of actionable and practical ways to build really good relationships to to enable procurement to get what it needs but also alongside the business so i just want to say thank you firstly for uh giving so many good tips there which can be incredibly hard to do in like 20 minutes i'm aware of that but you did that incredibly well and maybe the question i want to start off here with in this quick fire round is what's one piece of tech whether hardware or software that you can't live without so I would go like from a software perspective, I don't have like very specific one that I really like love because a lot of them have like features that I would have, but they don't have. But I like supplier, like those SRM platforms, so supplier relationship platforms. And one main reason is we can like discuss whether like how contracts should be stored, how RFQs can be done. But I like them because the majority at least have the kind of... Um, dashboard board for communicating with like especially suppliers or like even internally pins like kind of a chat kind of messaging pins and I like it because it a little bit replaces Outlook and when I'm not in the organization I don't know anymore for some reasons it's a transport way you see all the things that happened there you can go there dive in and so this is the pins that I like about the supplier relationship management platforms. And I really like them that we have them and I can manage all my suppliers, data, contract, communication in that one tool instead of spreadsheets, Outlook, Teams folders. These tools are like my really favorite one and I really utilize them. Countless features in the tech space, right? By the way, I, that was a really good point around uh, knowledge management. So if you leave and typically your, all your communications and whatever data, information, insights are locked away in your Outlook, of course, your business can access your Outlook and pull all of that data out. And perhaps it will get easier with Gen AI to extract key points. But that's an incredible amount of work to do, as opposed to having all your communications in one platform that is centralized to your suppliers, your vendors, the contracts and anything else around it. I agree. It's just, it makes way more sense. So if you ever move on, whoever takes your over your suppliers, right, your vendors, they can see exactly what's happened. And I think that area is just going to become more and more important to have all of that data. So yeah, I agree. And how many vendors or suppliers are you responsible for? Like how many do you look after in your role? So I'm on an EMEA level. So I have like key countries, let's say, until my support. So I typically like for like I have I know I have contracts and I have suppliers. It's a supplier base like around 100 to 150 vendors, let's say. But I really work very actively 
it's uh, around 60 vendors. Like I really work actively. All those other areas that I like to be like, if we need to, we maintain this thing. So the biggest challenge is it's like a few other countries uh, that are in. Definitely. These questions are really helpful for people. The guests we have on here and the listeners we have all from different parts of the world, different size companies, different size teams. And it's just really cool. Like some people only manage like a handful, right, of uh, our vendors, suppliers and have a handful of contracts. Some people have hundreds, some people have more, right? So it's really useful there. And we're just going to finish this off with the weirdest question that I have to ask, but it, it normally gets some good answers, right? So I want you, Anna, to imagine right now that I am a genie, so someone who can grant you a wish. If you had a wish that I could grant about procurement, make something come true, come real, uh, what would that be? So, like, considering the fact I'm more than like by psychological things, I wish that in our procurement area, people like would stop saying it's not that simple. So that would be my wish because I think that the biggest deception that actually already put our mindset and efforts on a, like a really loose case. We say it's not that simple to change the process. It's not that simple to onboard. It's not that simple to make a quick fix or whatever thing that start with. It's not that simple. I would really wish we like throw out this out of our vocabulary because it really put us in a loose position. And I think that's the biggest deception we should get rid of. I'm with you. It kind of comes back to that point you said that you learned from your dad, which is just get stuff done. There's normally, a, that is the excuse normally to stop getting things done. But Anna, I just wanted to say thank you. It's been amazing to talk to you. Like, I think this has been an incredible episode. So thanks for coming on to the podcast. Okay, um, I also enjoyed the conversation really much. So, and thank you for having me here and inviting to be, to be part of this podcast, because I think we need to start like thinking, thinking in a different way making more across let's say colleague procurement sphere so thank you very much procurement reimagined is brought to you by gatekeeper to find out more about gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility control and compliance to our customers visit www.gatekeeperhq.com and then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.